Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where the last time we spoke, I was called Mommy, but now I'm called Mommy and Bubby. That's right. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, host of That's Life and head of social responsibility at Cross River. You can find me here every week or... Please, God, regularly back to every week. Yes, yes, right after Allison and right before Yussie's live lunch. Yes, it has been a bit of a time since the last time I uh, was able to do a fresh new show, both for you and for me, frankly. I enjoy doing these programs tremendously and for a lot of, shall we say, very valid reasons. I had to take a little bit of a break, but I'm happy very happy to be back. So first of all, my thanks to everyone who reached out upon the passing of my father. Um, it was rather sudden, and I appreciated the emails and the Facebook messages, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we should only share smachot here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And frankly, in the same breath, yes, we have. That is correct, because the Wallach and Siegel families and the Wallach-Siegel family are all thrilled and excited and just over the moon with the new addition to our family. She is delicious. She is, I mean, she is, she's my favorite person in the whole wide world. That's all I have to say. Yes, becoming a bubs, becoming a bubby is everything everyone says it'll be. You know, it's like, oh, have grandchildren. You'll understand. There's nothing that makes you happier. And like, you know, certain things don't live up to the hype. Yet yeah, this did. This did. There's not, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. There's nothing better. And this kid doesn't talk. I mean, she's a couple of days old. But still, it is an absolute bracha. And yes, we should all have um, we should all have some strength and connection to God and strength from God in our lives, that is for sure. And we are so blessed by her by by her being here, by just her being here. So my thanks to everyone. And guess what? Any day I will take a congratulations over a condolence. Absolutely. So send those congratulations messages anytime you want. You know you can find me on social media. And may we share smachot. Let's do the fortune cookie before we do the national holidays. Oof. This one's a little crumbly, but it's still whole, so it still counts. And frankly, we've been eating a lot of Chinese food at the Wallach household over the last couple of weeks. You know, it's been busy. So I do have a decent stash of fortune cookies ready for the next couple of weeks. Okay, here we go. Many op- many opportunities are open. Take advantage of them. All right. I mean, okay, I'll take that. That's fine. It's a little bit neutral. I was hoping for a little bit something more exciting. Yeah, you, so were you, right? You're looking at, yeah, it's fine as they go. Anyway, let's do the national holidays. Today's national holidays, it's Bill of Rights Day. We only celebrate that one day a year. I don't know why today. I have no idea, but... If you went outside and screamed something ridiculous, you've already celebrated National Bill of Rights Day. That's for that's correct. It's also Cat Herders Day. I don't know what that means. And if you're a cat herder, that means you're some kind of a hoarder also. You're in that whole group of people and whatever. Maybe not. Maybe not. But if you're a cat herder, frankly, keep it to yourself. I don't know what you do. Um, National Cupcake Day. Yay! National Cupcake Day. I can get into that. It's also National Wear Your Pearls Day. Interesting. Interesting. Didn't know that that required a national holiday. And then here's one of the days that I never understand why it's this time of year. Never. It's National Regifting Day. Why it is two weeks before the 25th. Why it's before hot. I've never understood this. And I think I think I make this comment every single year. It makes no sense to me. But 
here is a here is a, a little preview. You know, sometimes I like to give you previews about what's coming up. Tomorrow is Zionism Day. Yes, very interesting. December sixteenth. Don't know why that's significant, but it is Zionism Day. And also National Chocolate Covered Anything Day. All right, everybody. I'm all in for that. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And I am holding what can comfortably refer to as a cookbook textbook. And I mean that as the biggest compliment ever. And you'll understand why in a minute. Naomi Ross joins me. We are, we are excited to preview, to discuss, to highlight, to let everyone in on this unbelievable new opportunity for you in your kitchen called The Giving Table. And Naomi joins us now. Naomi is a, um, it's just, first of all, I just want everybody to know, she's a really, really nice person. Like, let's keep her, you know, professional accolades and her skills and talents and her abilities as an author, etc. aside for a second. Naomi is a really, really good person. Naomi Ross is a cooking genius. She believes in inspired kosher cooking, infusing meaning into the everyday kitchen experience. She's a cooking instructor for the past 18 years, and she has taught all ages and stages, developing innovative culinary curriculums, courses, and workshops for camps, schools, and community organizations. She writes articles and web content connecting the fun of good cooking with Jewish inspiration. She is a regular contributor to Flashix Magazine, Bina Magazine, OU Jewish Action, and Kosher.com. This is her first cookbook, but I doubt it will be her last. She lives in Woodmere with her children and her husband. You can, of course, find her on Instagram at, at Naomi Ross Cooks, and she joins us this morning. Naomi, mazal tov to you. Thank you. And by the way, that introduction, I, I, I'm like uh, blushing on, <laughs> on the other end of the phone. I'm like uh, very touched by that. Thank you. Well, first of um, all, I mean it sincerely, but I hope it doesn't leave you tongue tied because we have a whole book to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the textbook. And, you know, I mean that sincerely and as a compliment. I mean, we this- actually just weighed it. We, we actually just weighed the book um, because it is quite a tomb of a book and it is actually over four pounds. Oh, my gosh. It, 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 I wasn't kidding. It's um, it's over 400 pages when, you know, when you isolate yourself for like a year and live like a hermit doing nothing else but um, eating, uh, breathing and living the book. So, you know, you don't realize how many words you write. Right. Understood. How many how many recipes are in here, by the way? There are 160 recipes. There is beautiful photography for almost every recipe, which is one of the reasons the book is so big. There's just a ton of gorgeous photos. And there's also a lot of step-by-step photos, which take up space. So that also adds length to it. But, um, but I, you know, I can't get away from being a teacher at heart. And when I started the project, what I really wanted more than anything was to have the kind of book that would be not just a cookbook, but like a companion for someone in the kitchen that they feel like, you know, okay, I can't, I can't be there to teach them maybe all the people I'd like to teach, but I could, try to be there with them in book form. 
Like that was sort of my goal. Right. And I think you really accomplished that, but that also explains the, the way the book is structured and the way the book is organized. So let's take it from step one. It's called the giving table. And I joke when I get another cookbook and I say another in quotation marks, I joke, how is this cookbook different from all other cookbooks, right? Taking a line out of all of our, you know, all of our lives, etc. obviously referring to the Haggadah. How is this cookbook different from all other cookbooks? But I would argue this one really is different. Uh, I, I appreciate that. I, I strove for this to be the case. And when and it happens to be that that question has been asked to me several times since mm. I <laughs> since the book has come out. I a little bit feel like in the hot, but I can confidently say it is different. Um, different because uh, even though it's conventional in terms of the layout of um, familiar chapters, you know, like salads or soups or chicken, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, what I really wanted was for there to be a narrative running through the book about the theme of the book, which is giving mm. different avenues and exploring, exploring and talking about the different ways that we as cooks give through our food and through our cooking. Um, that's number one. And number two, uh, there is that sort of instructive component to it. So if there was a way under the sun that I was able to squeeze in information in every different corner of the book. <laughs> I really mm. tried to do that. So you'll find a lot of anecdotes, a lot of instructive pieces, a lot of um, in, like informational pieces, uh, tips. And I tried to do it in a way that was not overly taxing on the eye because, you know, it's not a textbook. It's a cookbook. Right. <laughs> what did you say? I said, I right, know. right. But... Oh, right. So, but, um, but I, you know, I, so the layout was crucially important. Um, I tried to make it, you know, you, I tried to work very closely with the graphic designer to lay it out in a way such that it was not uh, too text heavy in any one place that visually it was still a cookbook, but that I was somehow still able to get in all of the stuff that I wanted to share with readers. Yeah, well, you definitely accomplished that in a way that's, I'm going to use this term and you can, you can appreciate the punk pun it's digestible like the the inf- thank you thank you everybody um <laughs> that's i mean i mean come on um but seriously folks there's a there's a, a nuance to the flow of the book that if you don't realize that the, the book is that the book is moving you along in like a comfortable flow and, and motion then you don't realize it but you're doing it anyway and and i appreciate that because so many, so many cookbooks are just disjointed. So many cookbooks and books in general, right? Instruct, instructional books of some sort don't have a beginning, a middle and an end. Don't want to get you somewhere. This I feel wants to get you somewhere. And it even starts by page three. You have a page called chicken soup for your neighbor's soul. So you framed the book as the giving table and already by page three, before we get into, of course, my favorite topic of challah, before we get into the topic of challah, before we get into anything, you're already framing it as we don't give, we don't, we don't cook and we don't produce in our homes just to keep it to ourselves. There is, there's an opportunity out there to include other people in our lives through food. And that's the Jewish way. And I, and I think you communicate that really well. Thank you. Thank you. It's, I mean, it's really what I've been trying to give over since I started teaching really. I mean, and this has sort of been a culmination of a lot of, 
a lot of years of having time to crystallize these ideas and giving them over in classes and workshops and thinking a lot about this. And especially I felt like during COVID, it really, really underscored this message, uh, at least for at least in my own mind, it did. And I was already thinking about these ideas for the book, um, you know, by the time COVID started. Mm. And I felt like this, the whole experience of being isolated, if anything, it just underscored everything I was thinking about, because when people are isolated and they're disconnected to people, I, I realized that the, any means you have to connect to people and to do a kindness for them is so crucially important. And there's nothing like um, that homemade item, that that boat, that quart of soup, or or whatever it is that you could share to use. I would say not just as you know that not just use as the item itself as the purpose, but rather, and I've said this so many times, that we need to be viewing our food, not just as a, yes, a creative item. Yes. A tasty item. Yes. Something that's creative and beautiful and delicious, but something that's a facilitator, something that engenders the opportunity to connect to people and to give to people. Love that. Absolutely love that. Have, have your kids or anyone else said, mommy, that the giving table sounds like the giving tree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And and you should know that that when you look it up on Amazon, it comes up with the Giving Tree. Oh, really? But I, I but I but I really I really ho- like hold that as one of the biggest compliments. Oh yeah, because the Giving Tree, um, in my mind, is like an iconic, um, an iconic kind of work that got the got, even in those early years of childhood gets gets the person thinking about what it means to give. Correct. Correct. I think you're in great company. I absolutely loved it. As soon as I saw that the title was The Giving Table, I there was, I mean, I didn't, it didn't even matter what was between the pages. Like, I was already excited about it because you were in that genre of people who understand the importance of giving. And, and the fact that it's up there near on Amazon near the giving tree just really makes my day. But, um, <laughs> but I, I love the company you're keeping here. I think that you really went into this book with a purpose. And again, that teacher in you was always going to be there. Trust me. I get that as a, as a former teacher, the, the teacher in us is always there and it comes across, but now we got to talk about the food. I mean, let's, <laughs> we've talked about the structure. We've talked about everything, but, uh, before I go on, before I go on, the QR codes. I mean, could you be more of a teacher? Let's talk about how that came up. Well, I will I will give credit where credit is due because I am the opposite of technologically savvy. <laughs> um, so this is definitely, I would never even presume to take credit for that myself. But my husband, who is a tech, uh, he's a techie and he's extremely tech savvy. And my sister, who um, has, has long been a subscriber to food magazines. Um, both of them had said to me, you know, the mat food magazines are doing QR codes. What, why couldn't you do that in the book? And then you can show them, you know, how to make it with a video. Right. And it was such a brilliant idea because there are so many skill-based things in the book that as a teacher, you, you can't, you, you yeah. can't just describe it. And one of my biggest pet peeves, especially since I know you said you enjoy challah making. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves is how braiding techniques for challah are described in cookbooks, mm. or or how to, or how to weave a lattice pie. Right. In right, there is no or there's no way. Until, there's no way to describe it accurately without somebody scratching their head and saying, 
I'm confused. Where does this strand go? What number is that? Right. Um, I used to I used to say all the time when I first started teaching challah classes, I don't care if you're a member of Mensa. You're not going to be able to keep track of one, you know, uh, strands one through six and where they're going to end up and still know what number they are. Like there needs to be a different method of teaching that. But the the point is that I felt like if I could show them, if I could show them in a video, then even if I have great step by step photos, which I do, it would at least I'd be there with them. You know, right. I'd be there showing them how to do it. And now we're in such a visual age. When I started learning how to cook, there was no YouTube. There was no, uh, <laughs> there was nothing. Right. There was no food network. I mean, it was like, you know, the ga- I don't mean to age myself, but, you know, there was the Galloping Gourmet and there was Julia Child, but like, that was it. There, wow. was, there was no, there was not <laughs> a whole lot else going on on TV. And certainly there was something to just look up on your own because there was no internet. Right. So, um, you know, I, I learned the old fashioned hard way from very, very long worded pictureless books. And mm. if there was a tiny little icon sized picture, I like gravitated toward any step by steps I could find anything that I could actually visualize because I'm a visual learner myself. And so when they, when they suggested doing this kind of thing, I was like, Yes, to, yes to that. Even though it happened to have been a boatload of work, <laughs> the videos. <laughs> well, I'm looking at page 252 where you have the just because you mentioned it, where you have the lattice work on top of a pie. And yes, I, I hear you. There are the pictures are great, and you have arrows that that flow that allow the reader to understand which step goes after which, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, where you start, where you finish, the whole thing. But that QR code is key because knowing that again as a visual learner myself i know that scanning that qr code is going to bring me to a quick step video that's going to show me in in real time and with real hands and with actual motion what i'm supposed to be doing and that's huge you're listening to that's life here at the nachem seal network i'm joined by naomi naomi ross we are discussing her brand new cookbook the giving table which is not only available everywhere but it's also available on amazon right next to the giving tree which again has (laughs) totally made my day can we talk about challah for a second yeah sure okay so i'm i'm a little bit obsessed with challah and i'm not embarrassed to, to express my love for challah, but challah to me is amazing because it is bread in general. It is the only thing that we create that we make a blessing on. You can make 30 steaks and there's no bracha. There's no bracha. But when we make challah, when we make dough in a certain amount, you know, beyond a certain capacity, there's a blessing on it. And to me, that makes this the most magical thing in the entire world. So I've become obsessed with making challah, and I know that it's something else that you and I have in common, and yes. you also love challah, which I, which is great. How on earth could your family have decided that this is the recipe of their favorite challah? You must have so many to choose from. No. <gasps> this no, is it? Because anytime I veer away from that recipe, I get a lot <laughs> of pushback. So um, it happened, it did happen a few times over the years that I've tried variations. They begrudgingly accepted my conversion to a honey whole wheat recipe, which is also in the book. Right. Um, they they eventually accepted that and it is delicious. And so for those looking for a healthier version of, of my challah recipe, that would be your go-to. Right. Um, once I tried a water challah recipe and I once tried a like stuffed fancy, yeah. you know, stuff mm-hmm. in stuff inside the challah kind of recipe. And 
my family is very, you know, they go along with all of my crazy in the kitchen. They try everything that I make every week. There's a different menu on the table. They know it's, they, they, they have food ADD. Like they, they really, <laughs> really go along with all of it, but like, don't mess with my challah. Kind oh, of thing. So, so like if, so when I, when I put other stuff, when I, those few times I attempted to try something else, they looked at me like, dude, there's no, there's no dating other challah recipes, ma. There's no dating other challah that, recipes that, for, for this. I would say that's for, for that specifically, that is for so them. I, I, I completely yeah. hear that. So how did it work for your daughter when you had to create a gluten-free challah recipe that's featured also in the bread basket chapter, but how did that work? Um, I, I really applaud you for asking that question because to be honest, and it's something that readers probably won't realize that is among the most difficult of recipes in in, uh, the whole book. For me, creating that recipe was a very, very long process. And adding seltzer is a, is a genius move. I, it's the only, Naomi, it's the only, I'm sure, but it's the only gluten-free challah recipe I have ever seen with that component. And it's probably why it's the only one that works. The, the texture is so incredibly difficult to try Uh, to get right. And I had, I had worked up a recipe for years that even, I even had taught it, um, in classes I had given gluten-free classes. And, you know, when it came time to write the book, I was like, oh, of course, you know, we need to put a gluten-free challah recipe in. And there's a humbling process if you I, I should I should qualify that statement I should uh, let me qualify that it is if you are doing your best good job of writing a cookbook then it should be a humbling process mm. and by by that what I mean is you need to be able to take a step back and look at your own work objectively not because oh I invested 10 years of working on this recipe so therefore of course I have to put it in but I took the recipe I looked at it I took a step back and I was like, you know, it's all right, but it's not good enough. Wow. It's just not good enough. And I can't, I can't put this book, I can't put this recipe in the book. It's just, if I was a reader, I'd say, no, thank you. Mm. And so I basically chucked it. I started all over again after 10 years of working on the recipe. Um, I, I, you know, I, I did at least have something to base off of, meaning like I, I, I understood my, my proportions and, you know, I, I little, a little bit based it on the original recipe that I had worked up, but I started, I started clean and the result was way, way better than my original wow. recipe. And the, the ultimate compliment I got about that recipe was from a tester, the tester, um, who recipe tested gluten-free oat challah recipe herself um, had authored gluten-free recipes. And she told me that her children who are gluten-free basically said that they'd rather have my gluten-free oat challah. And I was like, ooh, that's, that's an insult. <laughs> but right. Not to me, it's a compliment to me, but, <laughs> but, not, but not to my friend. That's but hysterical. She, but she, spoke, she was very, very happy about it. Her kids were super happy about it. And my daughter, who has celiac disease, um, for whom I originally worked on the recipe was that much happier because it, the recipe is really now it's just a good solid recipe now. That's well. First of all, call a vote to you as a parent. Okay, so let's you you can you cannot respond to that. That's fine, but call a vote to you as a parent. <laughs> Second of all, call a vote to you as a perfectionist to say this isn't good enough for me to put my name next to it for me to put this in my book to set it aside and not and say. 
adequate is not good enough and start again. So again, props to you and props to you, you on this book because it really is beautiful and it's clearly a labor of love. And the fact that it's available everywhere and the fact that it's available right before Hanukkah is just everything is great. And I, I, I couldn't be happier for you and and just I'm, I'm excited for you. It's really I'll put it to you this way, Naomi, this book is worthy of your name. Oh, thank you. I mean that thank sincerely. You. I mean that, that sincerely. Is, that is that is a lovely, lovely thing to say, and I appreciate it. And um, the only thing I can just say is that um, I worked super hard to get this out for Hanukkah because I really believe it's a it's just a great item. It's, I'm saying it's a perfect Hanukkah gift. Yep. It's the kind of like um, again one one of the nicest things somebody said to me when they opened the book, and like two days later they texted me. This is like, for me, this was like one of the best things that was said to me was that they said, um, your book, re- your cookbook reads like a novel. And mm. I was like, and being, being like a total cookbook nerd that like I was that, I was that person who would read cover to cover a cookbook. So like, be- because I read cookbooks like novels, when the person said it to me, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing you ever said to me. <laughs> that's really, really nice. So it's available on Amazon.com and in Cook and in, I should say, in Judaica stores near you, correct? It is on Amazon.com. It is available through um, the publisher's website, ManuchaPublishers.com. And it is available in uh, Judaica stores near you. Um, pick up one for your best friend and your aunt and your sister, and um, they will love it because it is one of those warm and fuzzy cookbooks. Amazing. Naomi Kolokovo to you. Thank you for joining me and continued Hatzlacha. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Absolutely my pleasure. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and a full afternoon of programming continues in just a few moments with Yossi Zweig and his live lunch. And, of course, we have JM Rewind. We have an Arab Shabbos show. We have everything going on. Don't change that virtual dial, right? Isn't that what we say? Don't touch that virtual dial. Don't. T- okay, everybody settle down. It's been a long month. Tomorrow morning, join Nachum Essie Hodens, JM and AM starting at 6 a.m. Malcolm Holmline joins him at 7.40 a.m. And, of course, continued programming throughout the day until candlelighting in the New York area. Matzi Shabbos join Avrami as he hosts Saturday Night Seagull and Matis. 7 a.m. Sunday morning with J.M. Sunday. So I wasn't on the air before Parshas Lechacha, and I play this song every year before Parshas Lechacha. So before we finish Bracious, yes, I know we're not finishing Bracious just yet, but before I forget is more like it. Here is Sam Glazer's Across the River. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Come with me across the river, far across the great divide. Come with me across the river to the other side. Pack up your things and go to a land that I will show you for no other reason than to join me on this journey. To the great unknown Where mysteries await you You've got too much to give
Across the river, far across the great divide. Come with me across the river to the other side. Come with me across the river, far across the great divide. Come with me across the river to the other side. Open your heart and soul and watch the magic happen. There's not a single thing your dreams cannot deliver. I am the pot of gold that lies beyond your rainbow. I may be far away or right under your nose. It's up to you, Lech Lecha. Bye. Bye. 